0: Welcome to the Men of Valor Podcast. My name is Casey McCauley, and we're starting a new study at Harvest called Timeless, Unchanging Truths in a Changing Culture. And this podcast will follow along with our small groups. What a contrast. The timeless truths of God's Word lived out in the midst of truthless times. In a culture constantly changing and shifting, like a house built upon sand, in contrast, we have a firm foundation— built upon the timeless truth of God's Word. And this is so important for us as brothers to believe, to live out together, and to encourage one another in. And that's why harvest groups are so important, because discipleship happens together. As we start this new five-week series, if you're not part of a group, I want to encourage you and to challenge you. Commit to studying God's Word in community for these next five weeks and watch how God will work. You won't regret it. And you can find groups at harvest.church forward slash groups. Over the next several weeks, we will study five foundational truths of the Christian faith. It's called doctrine. It's what the whole Bible teaches us about a specific topic. And these will be on God's attributes and character, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, heaven and hell, and the Bible. These are essentials. They're timeless, unchanging. It's Theology 101, to know what we believe and why we believe it. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the most important question in life. Now, that's a bold statement, isn't it? There are a lot of important questions in life. Who will I marry? What career path to take? Where should I live? More practically, get a truck or try to save on gas. Is Jordan or LeBron the goat? In-N-Out cheeseburger, double-double, or should I go for the three-by-three? I know, tough stuff, right? These are all important questions, but not the most important. This is a question that everyone has to answer, from the smartest to the smallest. Philosophers and children, theologians and skeptics, moms, dads, husbands, wives, bosses, employees, we must all answer the question, who is God? What is God like? In our world today, you can know a lot about a lot of people and at the same time not know those people at all. The information age and technology gives us access of knowledge, but not necessarily personal, experiential knowledge. We live in a celebrity culture where you can follow all these famous people and feel like you know them, but you don't actually know them. See, there's a big difference between knowing about someone and knowing them personally. It changes everything. And here's my main point. Knowing who God is changes who we are. And that's why the Word of God and this study is so important, because the way you live your life is dictated by your view of God. It was A.W. Tozer who boldly claimed, and this is such a good quote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Why is this? Because what comes into your mind then comes out in your life. As Jesus says in John 8, 32, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So here's a pop quiz. Who is God? How would you answer that question? God is you fill in the blank. There are many true and good ways to answer that question. But how do we know all of this? It's because God has told us. So here's one way to fill in that blank. God is blank. Answer, God is who he says he is. And he says it in the Bible. God is a God who has made himself known. That's what the whole Bible is all about. And we can know him. Jesus said in John 17, three, speaking to the father, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. God is knowable and that describes eternal life. This is for us as believers and for us to share with the world. That's why our mission statement at Harvest is to know God and to make him known. See, some people today, they'll say, you can't know anything about God. Well, think about that statement. Really, saying that implies you know something about God, namely, that you can't know Him. But Scripture says just the opposite. 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. We can know God. It's amazing. Of course, He's God. Our finite minds can't fully grasp the infinite. But although we can't understand Him fully, we can know Him truly. And He tells us in His Word, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is one big story that tells us all about God and His plan for the world and for you. It describes God's character and attributes, which is anything in the Bible that is true of Himself. The Scripture reveals that God is one. He eternally exists as three persons—Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and each person is fully God, and there is one God. This doctrine is called the Trinity. In our workbook, there is a helpful chart on page 6 about how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit is known as Eternal, the Creator, and Truth. I have found Fred Sanders' definition helpful. He's a systematic theologian at Biola University, and he focuses on the Trinity. In his book, The Deep Things of God, How the Trinity Changes Everything, he says this, God is God in this way. God's way of being God is to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit simultaneously from all eternity, perfectly complete in a triune fellowship of love. That's who God is. Our workbook then focuses on understanding this reality. The Bible reveals some characteristics of God that can only be attributed to God, that He alone possesses and also some characteristics that He gives us the capacity for. Theologians call these communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. Communicable attributes are the characteristics of God that we can better relate to, that God shares or communicates with us. And the incommunicable attributes are what we cannot easily relate to, that He doesn't share with us. Part one of our lesson focuses on how no one but God is eternal. He's self-existent, immutable, unchangeable in his essence, nature, and ways. That he's omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, present everywhere at all times, and omnipotent, all-powerful. Now, these are some big theological words about a big God. I remember as a young Christian, I was at work and my boss was telling me about a difficult circumstance and I was trying to give some encouragement about how God is in control of all things. And I was trying to be all holy and cool and whatnot, so I tried to drop one of these theological words in there. I was like, yeah, God's in control. He's all powerful. He is omnipotent. My boss looked at me all strange. Um, you mean omnipotent? Yeah, right, exactly, exactly what I meant. You see, these are great theological words, but the point is that they describe a great God. The second part of our lesson focuses on how God is holy and righteous and just, loving, merciful, and faithful. God shows us these truths and how He relates to us and how we are called to imitate Him. As our lesson focuses on these aspects of who God is, characteristics that can only be attributed to God and characteristics that He gives us the capacity for, I want to encourage you and point you to two passages in the Exodus story that really highlights these truths that we're learning about. The story of the Exodus is all about the God who makes Himself known to Moses, to Pharaoh, to the nations, to Israel. And we see these clearly in Exodus chapter 3, And in Exodus chapter 34, Exodus chapter three records, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. This is where God's name Yahweh comes from which comes from the Hebrew verb Y-H-W-H, which means to be. This can be translated, I am because I am, or I will be that I will be. You see, God is who he is. God says, I am. Some of the attributes of God that we're studying are directly implied in God's self-proclaimed statement, I am who I am. First, we see that God is self-existent. As parents, we've all had that moment when our kids ask where babies come from. But what about God? Where did God come from? Well, the word origin can only apply to created things. God has no origin. He's always existed. The I am implies that God's existence and character are determined by himself alone and are not dependent on anyone or anything else. The Bible begins with the description of God's self-existence. In the beginning, God. So we see that God is self-existent, but also that God is eternal. The I am suggests a continual present existence. He is the one who eternally exists. As Psalm 90 verse 2 says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Revelation 1.8 says, he's the alpha and the omega who is and who was and who is to come. You see, he is the A to Z and everything in between. We also see in this passage that God is holy. God told Moses to step aside because the place he was standing next to the burning bush was holy ground, and Moses was afraid. God's holiness means that he is separated from sin and devoted to seeking his honor. To say that God is holy is to say that he's set apart, distinct from us. We see in Isaiah 6 and Revelation 4 how there's a description of heavenly creatures crying out, holy, holy, holy. You know, they could sing love, 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 or good, 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 but God's holiness is specifically ascribed. This is who God is, perfectly set apart, with nothing and no one to compare Him to. God is holy. God is also personal. In the Exodus story, the I Am heard the cries of His people. He made Himself known to Moses, and then He delivers His people from bondage. God is personally acquainted with your life. He knows you better than anyone else and better than you even know yourself because He's the Creator. You see, God is incomparable, self-sufficient, eternal, and holy, yet desires to have a relationship with you. How amazing is that? Continuing on in the story, we see how Moses has another encounter with the I Am, where God gives another personal proclamation— It's in Exodus chapter 34. In this story, we see how God delivers his people from Egypt. He gives them his law, but then they rebel and worship a golden calf. Well, that escalated quickly, right? But then God renews his covenant with his people, and Moses asks God to show him his glory. And God says that he will proclaim his name. And then we hear these words in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 to 7. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there. And proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who by no means clear the guilty. Did you know this is one of the most quoted verses in the Bible by the Bible? meaning it's quoted or alluded or referenced more than any other verse throughout the rest of Scripture. And why is that? Because it reveals who God is. These verses have been described as the longest and most complete description of the Lord's character to be found in the Scriptures. It's known as a confessional passage. It's like the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. And in it, God proclaims his own name. Did you catch it? It says, the Lord said, the Lord, the Lord, a God who is. He proclaims himself, the Lord. He makes himself known, the deepest reality of his being. And what do we see? Who is God? How does that change us? Well, we see this. The to the needy, God is merciful. To the failure, God is gracious. To the rebellious, God is slow to anger. To the unfaithful, God abounds in steadfast love and faithfulness. To the guilty, God is forgiving. And to the unrepentant, God is just. That's who God is. And knowing who God is changes who we are. And it's important to note that God's actions and His commands are based on His character. He does what He does because of the God that He is. All of this leads us further down the storyline of Scripture. In this passage, we see how God is both loving and just, slow to anger, yet forgiving, personal and holy. How can this be? Well, we get a glimpse of it in this story, but it's seen in the person and work of Jesus, God in the flesh, which is our next lesson. You see, the Exodus is the monumental moment of salvation in the Old Testament. Israel continually looked back on God's saving work in worship and hope. God defeated Egypt in judgment and delivered Israel in salvation. With a strong hand and outstretched arm, He divided the sea and led Israel on dry ground while also overthrowing Pharaoh. Judgment and salvation in one act. This points forward to the cross of Christ, where the love of God is displayed and the justice of God is given. It's where Jesus defeats the enemy and saves his people with strong nail-pierced hands and outstretched arms on the cross. Jesus provides the true and greater exodus through his life, death, and resurrection. The ultimate departure from slavery of sin to freedom in Christ. Oh, how we experience such truth and grace in our Savior Jesus. As the life and ministry of Jesus is summarized in John chapter 1, verses 14 and 16. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Aren't you thankful for who God is? Which makes us ask the question, how should we respond to these great truths of who God is? In Exodus 34, verse 8, it says, And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. The right response to God's self-declaration is dedication. It's worship. It's to believe, to trust, to follow. It's to know Both in your mind and in your heart, in your beliefs and in your behavior, in your affection and in your actions, that He is God. As Psalm 46:10 says, "Be still and know that I am God." In a changing culture, we must remember the unchanging truths of who God is. When we sin and we forget about God, we must remember who He is. When tragedy strikes and things are so hard, we must remember who God is. When things are great and we act like we don't even need God, we must remember who God is. And we must remind each other, our families, our church, unbelievers, of who God is. Could we give our lives to anything more important? Brothers, let's continually recommit ourselves to this great mission in life, to know God and to make Him known. God bless.